guys, we're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. And needless to say, I am pumped for today's guests because we literally have a legend on the show. An LPGA Tour legend who has taken her love and passion for the game of golf and is headed to Africa. But we're going to talk about that and a lot more tonight on this episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play presented by Eat Sleep Golf. And the name Betsy King is kind of synonymous with the game of golf and the LPGA Tour. I mean, I could not count the number of I can't even count the number of majors that she has on one hand but with a ton of tour wins and a bunch of majors she's taken all of that inspiration and motivation and has started this organization called Golf for Africa really cool stuff going on very excited to talk about it I could spend some more time talking about her and all of the tournaments that she's won but I'm going to pass it over to her Betsy welcome to the hashtag Wednesday match play Hi, thanks so much, Ricky. It's great to be on your show. I'm I'm excited to be here and getting a chance to talk about golf for Africa and, and golf as well. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So let's just start with golf for Africa. So tell us a little bit about what it is. Pretend that nobody knows what it is and what you're doing. You've got a really, really good concept. I was looking a little bit at your board and Kendall Dye, who was actually not on this show. She has been on a show that I hosted prior to this even. I feel like it was just yesterday, but she's involved with the organization as well. So just kind of give us the elevator pitch of what, what you have going on with Golf for Africa. Well, Golf for Africa is a charity. Uh, we raise money to help uh, families and children in Africa. Uh, to date, we've raised about $8 million to fund various projects in Africa. And the last three years, we've been concentrating on clean water. And we uh, dig wells and also provide me uh, water mechanized systems. And right now we're working in rural villages in Zambia. So I just was in Africa about, I got back about two weeks ago, and I'm actually headed back there again the middle of June. Um, we partner with World Vision and they do more clean water than any other charity in the world. Uh, clean water to a new person every 10 seconds. So it's exciting to fund those projects and we raise money by hosting golf events, uh, women's luncheons, clinics, anything we can do to raise money uh, to bring help and hope to Africa. That is really cool. And that's that's really cool that you're able to utilize your your history with the game of golf and turn that into something that's a little bit more meaningful in, from, in terms of a charity organization. You know, there's so many charities out there, but this is a very specific, very niche charity. And that's that's crazy stat, clean water to someone every 10 seconds. And you mentioned World Vision. So what's that partnership like? How did you get in connected with them? And kind of what what's that look like for what you're doing in Africa? Well, about 12 years ago, I, I took a trip to Africa with World Vision and got to see the effects of poverty and HIV AIDS on women and children. And I was really impressed with how World Vision helps. Um, they hire local people as much as possible. I love their model. They'll go into an area for 10 to 15 years with the goal of bringing uh, clean water, um, food support, education, economic opportunity, better health. And at the end of that 10 to 15 years, they leave and the village is able to then support themselves. So it's sustainable help that you're bringing um, to really make a difference. And we kind of come in on the front end and help provide that clean water. Without that and uh, improved sanitation and hygiene education, it's kind of hard to do anything else in development. So I've learned a lot. You know, as I said, I've been involved for about 11 years and it's uh, every time I go, I'm encouraged. I see progress and I'm also encouraged by the heart of the people. They welcome us with open arms. They have very little and yet they offer that to us. We dedicate wells um, when we're there. And oftentimes we get live chickens as a gift 
um, that they give us back or uh, produce that they've raised. Um, it's just very humbling to be there and to uh, have an opportunity to help people. Wow, that is so cool. And I, not comparing it by any means, but I've spent some time in Nicaragua and the same thing. I mean, they've got, you know, dirt floors and 10 metal roofs and they're the nicest people. They wave, they welcome you, they want to say hello, they want to invite you in. And just, that's cool that you found that in that part of the world. And and I'm curious, so you recently just got back from Africa, like you mentioned, you're headed there again. How how many times per year do you go? And how did you decide on what part of Africa that you wanted to focus on? Like, how did you pick where you're going? Was it on purpose or did you just find it by happenstance? Um, well, through World Vision, we've funded projects in about uh, five different countries so far, in Rwanda, in uh, Lesotho, in Mali, in Niger. Right now, we're working in Zambia, and we're providing... Uh, we've already brought uh, clean water to over 200 villages in Zambia. And when we're finished, it'll, it'll mean clean water to over 200,000 people, um, which is a lot when you think that each well provides clean water for about 300 people. As I say, we're working in, in very rural areas, um, but it really is making a difference. You know, one of the things I've discovered is water is kind of a women's issue because it's usually women and girls that are tasked with walking for water. If you can imagine this, Ricky, in um, her lifetime, the average African woman will walk a distance equal of walking from the earth to the moon in walking for water. So think oh about the time that's involved in doing that. And then you get to the, to the watering place and it's usually unclean water that you're getting. And then it's about 45 pounds that you're carrying back you know, from the, from the site. So if you bring clean water into a village close by, it's just such a great uh, saver of time. In addition to now you have clean water to drink and not get sick anymore. So it, it, they say that water is life and it's very true. Well, I just, I, I, I realize that it's an issue, but just to think that it's in today's world, that it's still that big of an issue. And it's, and it's unbelievable that you've recognized that and that you're doing something to to help that. And, you know, like I said, there's so many charity organizations out there, but this one is so niche that just that's a really cool thing to get involved with. And and I would have never have guessed they would walk that far and and have just that much effort put in to find drinking water. And we take it so much for granted here. Like if I want clean water, I go to the kitchen. Like it's no, I, I not know. a big deal. Yeah, I know one of the players, Amy Olson, that was with us on the trip, she said she was kind of embarrassed when one of the women asked her how far she walks to get water, you know, and she said, thinking it's like, you know, 20 feet from my bedroom. And, you know, it, it's just, they probably can't imagine, you know, the water source that we have or sources that we use in our, in our house that we have that many taps within one house. So um, I, you know, they estimate that over 800 million people still lack access to clean water around the world. So, we're trying to be a small part of, of solving the global water crisis. And the idea that the UN has brought forward and all the countries have come together is that by the year 2030, the goal is that everyone in the world will have access to clean water. So I'm excited to be a small part of that. And hopefully that will come true. That's so cool. I applaud that so much. Now, obviously, the focus of this interview this is Golf for Africa, but we we got to talk a little bit about your time on tour. Now you've got six major championships, thirty four wins on the LPGA tour. It's kind of safe to say that you're a legend of the game. So talk a little bit more about your career, and we don't have to spend too much time on that. But I do want to hear a little bit more from a legend of the game on what your career was like and all of those tournament wins that you had. 
Well, Ricky, I feel like I've had a really unusual career because it took me about six and a half years to get my first win. And then I went on to win 33 more times. And usually that doesn't happen. Usually if you win that many tournaments, you know, it takes you about a year and then you start winning and that continues. But, you know, for me, I had some things to do. I had to change my swing. I met an instructor named Ed Oldfield, who's from Chicago and in Scottsdale, Arizona in the winter. And that's when I moved out to Scottsdale to work with Ed. And I, um, you know, became a Christian partway through my career. And I really felt like that gave me the proper perspective on competition. And it kind of helped me to channel my competitiveness into just making myself better as a player, not worrying about what anybody else is doing, but just trying to be the best that I can be. And, uh, you know, once I won that first tournament, um, it is true that when you win, you kind of realize that you know what it takes to win. And to be honest, I was surprised that you could make mistakes and still win a tournament. Up until I won, I thought, gosh, I'm going to have to play perfect golf for four days to win. But I found out that's not true. And I became a better putter. There are just things that came together. And um, I'm kind of a competitive person. <laughs> and, uh, when, <laughs> and, you know, golf is a funny game. You have to kind of keep on an even keel and um, not get too up or too down. And I kind of took it as a challenge for myself. I'm going to be the best player that, you know, whatever that is, you know, whether it means number one in the world or number 100 or 1,000, whatever that is. And I'm just going to work toward that. And it was a good formula for success. That is so cool. I mean, to to have that experience and have played those courses and to have had the success that you've had and to know that it took that long to get to the first one, I had no idea. And and that's that's good that you bring that up that, you know, talking about the attitude. And I think so much of it is attitude. And, you know, I find that in myself when I'm playing, whether I play good on the front nine or bad on the back nine and vice versa, that, you know, you have to be steady for the entire round. And and I like that you said that when you won that first tournament, you realized that that's what it took. And and I think that, you know, however good I would potentially play in a round, I, I think that after every round, like I could be this good if I would have hit that shot or I did hit that shot because I am good or whatever that looks like. And that's cool that at a professional level, you're you're able to realize that. Yeah. So where can people learn more about this organization, Golf for Africa, and how can they get involved? Can somebody just go onto the website and volunteer or kind of what's what's that look like and how many people are involved and kind of just... Where can they go to learn more? Well, our website's golfforafrica.org, and it's F-O-R-E-Africa.org. Um, it has to be. I mean, golf, right? Right. <laughs> you know, $50 brings clean water to one person for a lifetime. So they can go right to our website and donate $50, and now you've helped one person have clean water for a lifetime. So it doesn't take a lot of money to make a difference. Um, we have a number of golf events. We have one coming up the middle of July in New York City, outside the city. We do women's luncheons in Orange County, California, and Scottsdale. We have a number of events listed on our website that you can um, look up. You can also, World Vision, who we partner with, I just walked to 6K on Saturday, a walk for water, because um, the average person walks at least six kilometers a day for water. So um, I did that, and, um, you know, that happens every year, so they can go to the World Vision website to learn more about that as well. So there's a number of things that you can do to help. And as, as I say, it doesn't take a lot of money to make a difference. We do a lot of events here at Tiburon. And I wonder if there would ever be an opportunity to host kind of a luncheon, maybe in the middle of our season to get a lot of our members involved. If that would be something that you'd want to explore. I don't know if there would be an opportunity to do that, but we can absolutely make Tiburon and our membership potentially available 
yeah, so one, we, learn more about the organization, but two, to potentially raise some money for the organization. I'd love to do that. We have some donors in the Naples area, and um, we've been looking at trying to do something there. So I'm going to take you up on that, Ricky, and uh, talk about that after this show at some point. Absolutely. And I got the perfect, we got like 11 rooms in our clubhouse, but I know the exact place that I think that we could do this. We did a fundraiser for the first tee of Naples. We only had about two months to promote it. We ended up raising just in one afternoon, $12,000 for the first tee, just on a quick golf outing. And I think that there could be some definite potential to, to help raise awareness for, for what you're doing here with Golf for Africa. Thank you. Now, back to your, your time on tour. You're also a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, how did you find out? Did they just call you or did you know kind of what that looked like? And, and what did that mean for you looking back on your career and what you've accomplished to be put into the World Golf Hall of Fame? Well, I knew because um, if you get into the LPGA Hall of Fame, that gets you into the World Golf Hall of Fame. So, But what was neat was when they opened the World Golf Hall of Fame in St. Augustine, they invited all the living members to come. And it was an amazing experience because just about everyone that's who was anyone in the golf world was there. I mean, Arnold Palmer was there and Sam Snead was still living at that time and Patty Berg and Gene Saracen and... Greg Norman, and uh, um, it was just an unbelievable um, mix of um, people that were that were there for that uh, opening. And so I've been back there several times since when people were inducted. And actually, last year in September, I went to the induction for Lorena Ochoa and Meg Mallon and Davis Love the Third. That was a lot of fun. It was in New York City, but. Um, it's uh, if anybody wants to go to the World Golf Hall of Fame in St. Augustine, it's it's a fun thing to do. That's really cool. That's and to have all those big names in the same room. Like, do you because of that, do you guys all become friends, or are you already friends and you're just there as a gathering? Or kind of what's that um, look like? It's fun because you you inter- introduce yourself to some people. Because actually, obviously, a lot of the guys, you know, I haven't run across. Um, I mean, some of the like Jack Nicholas I've played with, and Arnie I'd played with, but. Um, Anyway, it, it is fun to go and to see everybody. It's um, it's you, you know people, so it's a reunion as well as meeting some new people. It's it's a it's a fun group, obviously, to be part of. I, I feel very honored to to every time we get together. That's really cool. Now, the organization Golf for Africa has raised millions of dollars and have helped almost a hundred thousand people thus far. And I'm curious, where do the goals look like? I mean, is is there an end game or is it just continuously raise as much as you can and help as many people as you can? I mean, does it ever cap out or do you have goals you're trying to achieve? Kind of what's that look like for you? Well, we're still trying to keep raising money for water. I've made a personal commitment I've uh, around World Water Day last year. I said, I'm going to give $100,000 a year up until 2030. And that's, you know, as I mentioned, the, the year that they hope that everyone in the world has access to clean water. So that's my part. In, in making a difference besides volunteering my time with Golf for Africa. But, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do this for a few more years and, and keep raising money and, and make a dent in that 800 million people that still lack access to clean water. Wow, that's so cool. What a what a, just a neat why. I always look at, like, from a leadership perspective and just from a day-to-day basis, was what's, what's your why? And you've obviously got a very important why here with Golf for Africa and the fact that you're able to donate that and to go over there and to do this help. And that's just, it's really inspiring to be able to see that and to, to know that that's being done because of, I, I mean, the numbers are, are shocking to that many people. Like, again, like I said, we take it such for granted. Like, you know, you talk about the number of faucets. I mean, there's a faucet, there's a faucet, there's a faucet. Like it's so easy to get fresh water. And 
you know, and especially here in Naples, I live right on the water too. I and mean, granted, that's not fresh, but you know, at the same time, there's, it's just a different way of thinking. And, and when, whenever Scott with Eat Sleep Golf and I were talking about having you on the show, I was excited just to learn more because I wasn't familiar with the organization and now I can't stop reading about it and learning about it. So it's, it's really cool that you've got your, your finger on the pulse of this. Now, you also played on five Solheim Cup teams. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, what that meant as a player. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, you look at the PGA Tour, that's the Ryder Cup of the LPGA Tour. And quite frankly, I feel like you guys might have a little bit more fun than the Ryder Cup. But kind of what's what was that like? And what are some of your favorite memories from those, those teams? Um, it's a lot of fun to play. I have to say it's kind of nerve wracking because um, you're playing for a team. You know, normally you're just out there by yourself. This time you're representing a team and also obviously your country. And I, I know I felt very proud and honored to be a part of uh, five Solheim Cup teams. Probably for me as a player, my favorite experience was in Wales, um, where we were way down going into the last day. And we won nine of the 12 single matches the last day, and I think halved one and only lost two. Um, and so it really was a, a big turnaround. And we were all saying, if we can keep the the crowd's quiet, then we know we're doing well. And uh, we obviously did that that day. I also had the opportunity to be a captain in 2007 in Sweden. And that was a lot of fun as well. I, it, I didn't feel pressure because I didn't have to hit one shot in, you know, during that event. Um, it was just fun to lead the players uh, to get to know, you know, some of the, the modern players and to, to be their captain. I, Wanted it to be a memorable experience for them, uh, you know, win or lose. But um, we did manage to win, which obviously makes it a, a lot more fun. Um, and it was the first time we had won in Europe for a while. Um, up until, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they won in Heidelberg, that was, uh, you know, before that, the last time was in Sweden. So um, it's 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 a very fun experience and one that all the players want to be a part of. It's Probably if you asked any of the players today, what's your number one goal? They would say, I want to be a part of the Solheim Cup team. That's really cool. And the fact that you were able to, and I like that you said that you didn't have any pressure because you weren't, weren't hitting a shot. So I would almost think the pressure would be more on the captain versus the players because like you're leading that whole team. But that's cool that you were able to give that experience and to, to bring home the win. So that's that's really cool. And the fact that you're able to see so many parts of the world and not just, you know, playing here, playing in Scottsdale, right? Like you're able to get out and travel and see parts of the world and play for your country. So that's really cool. So you have several events listed on the Golf for Africa website. Um, I'm I'm curious kind of what those events look like. You talked a little bit about them before, but kind of what's the, what's the vision with these goals and, and, and what, what are you looking forward to with some of those events that are upcoming? Well, we have a a golf event um, July 16th in uh, New York, outside New York at Waikiki Country Club. It's a pro-am. We'll have about 21 uh, foursomes playing with LPGA pros. And so you can go to the website and look that up if you're interested in playing. And then we have two uh, luncheons this fall, one in Orange County in October and the others in November in Scottsdale. And that's just an opportunity where we call them strong women, strong world uh, luncheons, but they're open to men and women. And we bring in several speakers, usually someone from Africa and other people that you know, know about Africa and water. And, and it's really a great experience. We have an African marketplace there where people come early to shop. And um, also uh, we use it as a fundraiser and, and it's also very educational and a lot of fun. So those are probably the uh, three big events that we have left on our schedule. 
Um, I'll be doing some other traveling this summer, playing golf with donors. I'm headed to uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. I'm headed to Bozeman, Montana, and back to New York, to Cape Cod. I have a lot of trips planned, so I have to do something to get out of the Scottsdale heat, Ricky. And uh, so I'll be doing that and, and meeting with donors and potential donors. But uh, And then we have a big golf event here in Scottsdale around the LPGA event uh, in March. Um, we start out next year. We have a clinic in Tucson. We have one in Jupiter, Florida. So people can go to our website and check that all out at golfforafrica.org. And remember, the four is F-O-R-E. Anybody that forgets that, I'll make sure the link's down in the description below. But if anybody forgets that, think about who we're talking to here. It's obviously F-O-R-E. Like, it's, it was so funny when Scott and I were talking about this. I it was like, I wasn't even thinking that it was F-O-R. I was like, it has to be F-O-R-E. And sure enough, it was. So great minds think alike. Now, that was awesome to learn more about this organization and all the stuff that you're doing to raise money and to bring fresh water to all of these people in Africa. Like, that's just really cool. And we could probably spend an entire half an hour or more talking just about your time on tours, but I'm glad that we were able to kind of wrap that in. Now, that's your front nine. We talk business, all right? And I'm excited to be able to share your story with people. The Google Plus Golf community, which is actually where this show started, it's got just shy of 27,000 members. So not only will this show be shared there, I'll make sure that we put a little bit more emphasis on Golf for Africa and getting more people involved and seeing what we can do about helping just raise awareness for what you're doing. And again, I want to bring a fundraiser here to Naples. And whether it's a golf outing, whether it's golf and lunch, whether it's just lunch, whether it's whatever you whatever you think, I think that we've got some potential with that. But we got to jump into the back nine. So let's have some fun. It's just nine fun random golf questions. So you ready for your back nine? I am. Awesome. So you have played a lot of courses, obviously all over the world. What is the best course you've ever played? Oh, gosh. You know, I've gotten to play Pine Valley and Seminole and um, Augusta. Um, yeah, that's a goat ranch. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the one course I'd like to play that I haven't played is Cypress uh, Point. I've never played there. Um, and my favorite courses on tour were um, at Mission Hills, uh, the Dinah Shore course, and actually Waikagil Country Club, where we're having our Golf for Africa event in July. That was one of my favorite courses as well. All-time favorite. Hmm. You know, I guess um, probably, I, it's hard to name one. I would probably say the three that I've said, Pine Valley, Seminole, and um, Augusta. I think those are a pretty good trio of facilities that you can have atop of your list. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> it definitely beats mine. <laughs> I can tell you that. Shinnecock's up there too. That was a. I really enjoyed Shinnecock. It's a really well designed course, and it'll be a great challenge for the men's open this summer. We need to get you to Tiburon so you can play both of those courses, so you can maybe put them in like your top twenty. Because it sounds <laughs> like you've played some of the best properties on the planet. So there are a lot of really, really good LPGA Tour players out there. And quite frankly, they're as fun, if not more fun, to watch just because of how silky smooth their swings are and how good they are. So who are some of your favorite LPGA Tour players to watch today? Um, I love watching Lexi. I mean, the power she has. Arya Chaturnagarn, I mean, she's very powerful, too. Um, Lydia Ko has a great attitude on the golf course. She's fun to watch. Um you know, it's hard to pick out uh, a few. There's so many good players now. And, and you can see that. I don't know how many tournaments they've had this year, but nobody's won more than one tournament. So, um, and then the Cordes sisters, I think that's an interesting story. Um, you know, both of them are, are good players. And there's just a, so many good players today that it's it's really hard to, to pick out one or two. But 
I can tell you, if you come out to watch, you'll come back. You know, I, I've, when I was on tour, you'd meet fans that come out to three or four events a year. They just love to come out. Once they come out one time, they're hooked and they, and they keep coming. So I would encourage anybody out there to, if they're anywhere near an LPGA event to go, I, I know they'll love it. And I can second that because just being here at Tiburon, working with the LPGA, they are so approachable and so friendly. And even some of the bigger names, I mean, the Lexis and the Michelle Wees and, and Lydia Coe's, like they're, they're so approachable to their fans. And, and it's just, it's really humbling to see because, you know, we host a PGA Tour event here too. And it's not that the guys aren't as humble, but they're just a little bit more kind of off the radar and a little bit more behind, behind the gates. And it's just, it's cool to see, you know, the top 70 players in the world here walking up to fans and signing autographs, even after they've played a bad round, potentially. So it's uh, it says a lot about the tour and the players that are on the tour. Now, you may not remember this, but I've been struggling off the tee to the point that I'm taking golf lessons, which I've never done in my life. And I'm struggling pretty bad that it's like the one thing keeping me from shooting the scores that I know I can shoot. But I'm curious, because I think you might have it figured out here with the Betsy King ball launcher. Um, is Is that patent pending? And do you remember that club? I do not. What is that? Oh my gosh. You got to go back and watch the video. In my research, I found this. It was literally like a launcher and it oh, shot really? a ball. Okay. I, I um, that is. They might have stolen that from me. <laughs> well, in, it went off and it was very loud. And you could tell that you were kind of sh like shaken by it. You were like, oh. And they said something about it being so loud. But you hit the green. So whatever you did, you hit the green with that ball launcher. So I just oh, had to bring okay. that up. Okay, was that a pro-am or something where they did that? Okay. Yeah, there was a bunch of people there. It didn't say much on the video. It was just I, I, I found it and I was like, that's pretty funny. And especially because of the fact that I can't hit a driver straight to save my life. I just thought it was funny that you're hitting the golf ball exactly where you aim it. And the guy even said he's like, aim it a little higher. And you aim it a little higher and you hit it in the middle of the green. You know, that thing goes about 350 yards or something, too. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, how often do you visit Africa and what is your airline? Do you take the same airline or does it just depend? What's, what's that travel look like for you? Know, it's usually Delta. Um, I, I'm diamond status on Delta, which uh, means I've flown a lot. And uh, it, uh, they actually have a flight from Atlanta right to Johannesburg, South Africa, that you don't have to go through Europe. And that's probably the quickest way to get there if you're headed to Southern Africa. If you're going to East Africa, I usually go through Europe, Amsterdam. Um, funny story, you remember a few years ago, there was a volcano in Iceland and it really, it messed up travel coming through Europe because of the, you know, the active volcano. Well, I got stuck in Africa. I was supposed to be flying back and I started in Rwanda, flew to Nairobi, but my flight to Amsterdam was canceled. And I didn't know how long I was going to be there. Um, I ended up uh, staying an extra three days. And finally, I got out by flying down to Johannesburg and then coming back through Atlanta, where I didn't have to fly up through Europe. Um, so that was the only time I ever got. All the years I traveled on tour, I never had delays like that. But this one time in Africa, I got stuck there because of a volcano. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty, and we got volcanoes happening right now in Hawaii. I mean, the Big oh, Island's about ready to just be engulfed by that hurricane, or the hurricane that we had hurricanes here, that volcano. So that's that's a pretty crazy little travel story. Yep. Now you've played Augusta, so it's not fair to ask what your favorite course that you've played is. What's the worst course you've ever played? And you don't necessarily have to name names, but if you want to, you can, because I mean, there are some pretty bad courses out there. But do you have a a memory of your worst course you've ever played? Um, not really. 
there's uh you know there's been different ones actually i played the one i haven't really played much golf in africa because we're usually not over there to play golf but we did a couple clinics early on outside of Nairobi for a lady named Rose who has a program for girls, um, kind of like a first tea program here. And she feeds them a meal and that's how she gets them to come, you know, to learn about golf. And it's a nine hole course that's literally inside a horse racing track. And that's probably the most unusual place that I've played a golf course that was inside a, um, a horse racing track. And the range there, they have to pick it by by hand. And the grass that you're hitting it into is about a foot high. And you have to watch out for snakes when you're picking up the golf balls. So that's quite a challenge that we probably never see here. <laughs> I'm going straight to the first tee. Forget the range. I don't need to hit balls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, normally when I'm doing this show, I'm drinking a glass of wine. I like a Cabernet. I got a beer in my hand. I was just craving a beer this evening. But whenever you're sitting down to have a glass of wine, is it red, white? Do you drink beer? What I mean, what's your what's your poison? Okay. Well, to be honest, I'm not a wine or beer person. My drink of choice, and it's not often, but I I drink a margarita with salt. So frozen or on the rocks? Um, you know, I like it both ways. So that's, that's been my go-to drink for quite a few years. I like that. That's good. Now, there are a lot of golf movies out there. What's your favorite? Uh, you know, it's funny. I was playing with somebody yesterday, and we were talking about Caddyshack because, believe it or not, there's a member at the club where I play here, Pinnacle Peak Country Club. The last name is Haverkamp, and it was his parents that were the Haverkamps in the movie, Bill Murray caddied at their club growing up. And there's a scene in the movie where there's an elderly couple playing and their their names are the Haverkamps. Oh, and yeah. I remember that scene like it was, I just saw it yesterday. People um, that played at this club in Chicago and their son and wife are members at the club that I play here in town. So I, Caddyshack's a pretty good one. Um, you know, I, I saw this movie when I was a kid that really inspired me to play, and it was Follow the Sun, the story about Ben Hogan um, and his life. I think Glenn Ford played Ben Hogan. Um, it'd probably be hard to find that movie today, but... Um, I'm going to look it up. I'm writing that down because that I've not heard of that. Yeah, so I thought that was a really good movie about his life. And um, I also saw a movie about Babe Saharius, um, and it actually, it might've been a TV movie. Um, it was, can't remember the actress's name that played the babe, but that was interesting too. That is definitely the first that either one of those have been mentioned. Normally it's like Caddyshack, Happy Gilmore. Sometimes right. the legend of Bagger Vance gets a nod, but even though that's not a very good movie, but you know, tip of the cap to Will Smith for his efforts in that. But what was the one with Kevin Cosner? I loved it until the ending where he, he kept hitting the balls in the water. I thought that was so- Tin Cup. Yes, right, Tin Cup. Yeah, that had some funny scenes in it, too. So last week's episode was with Zach Oakley from Cleveland Golf. And in this this very same question, he said Tin Cup because he recently had a Tin Cup moment. We're on 18. He hit three balls in the water. So that every everybody's got a connection to that movie, I feel like. so. And I like that movie because he didn't know how to play golf before he started filming that movie. And he learned, and it was in Tucson where they filmed the majority of that movie. And... Just, I don't know. It just it was a feel good movie. It was funny. It was serious. And Happy Gilmore, though. I mean, it's hard to beat Happy. That's a <laughs> pretty great film. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I'm Tiger's biggest fan. So be careful how you answer this. 
Do you think he breaks Jack's record? Why or why not? Um, I don't think he will. Um, I think right now he's uh, obviously in the last, uh, just since the start of the year, he's played really well or much better than I think a lot of people thought he would be able to do. Um, I think he might win again, but I think it would be hard to win. Was it four more majors that he needs? Four to tie, five to break, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a is, is kind of a tough order, but um, you know, I've certainly been wrong about things before. <laughs> you heard it here first. I want him to do it because I'm his, I'm a big fan. And Chip Essick, I don't know if you know Chip. He's from the PGA of America, and he was on this show uh, not long ago. And and I I ask everyone that question, so I should do like a like a highlight reel of just every answer of that question. And and he said that if he wins one more. He breaks the record, meaning that he just needs one more to get that fire underneath him to be able to get back and and do it. And I wonder if and when he wins his next tournament, let alone his next major, is that post-round interview. Is it, welcome back, oh my gosh, it's finally here? Or is it just like a normal interview? Like, I played well, I hit the ball well, I putted good, and feels good. Like, you know, I, I'm just I'm curious. what, And I think he's this close. And you're right, it was, it was a very surprising return. I think it was quicker than we expected. And I think he's playing better faster than what we expected. So it's good to see, and it's good to be able to sit on the couch on Sunday and watch him in contention. Yeah, definitely. Definitely is. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so awesome learning more about everything that you have going on from your your time in Scottsdale. And you've been in Scottsdale for a long time, which is really cool, to the courses that you've played, to what you're doing with Golf for Africa, to your time on the LPGA Tour. But your final question of your hashtag Wednesday match play is, what's next? Um, well, I'm just trying to practice because I'm going to play in the Women's Senior Open, the first one ever this summer in July. So I'm excited about that. Um, I wish I'd come a little bit earlier, like about 10 years ago, but um, I, I want to be able to say that I played in the first one. So I'm trying to practice and get ready for that. Um, you know, I'm going to Africa before I ever do that, but I'm going to hit balls and practice right up until the time I leave. And as soon as I get back, I'll be working at it and hopefully can uh, play okay in July. That is so cool. We will be watching because that is cool that they're having one and that you'll be in the first one. So you got uh, you got a fan right here that's going to be rooting for you. I don't even care who else is in the field. You're the one I'm pulling for. So this episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play is going to be on YouTube. It'll be on iTunes and Google Play as a podcast. I'll make sure that all the links that we talked about today are in the description below. This is a very easy show to find because you can get it on Facebook and Twitter and all over the place. But I will also make sure to encourage everyone to subscribe down below that way you never miss an episode of this show we're well into season three we're already past 100 episodes which is crazy that this show has flown through 100 plus episodes but betsy thank you so much for coming on the show it's been so great getting to know you and more about you and all the things that you're doing and as always on the hashtag wednesday match plays you have to remember to eat sleep golf